Okay. Fucking unreal. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Narrative First Podcast, the weekly podcast where story is always king. I am your host, Jim Hall, the voice of Narrative First, and this is episode number 23, Ex Machina, Mea Culpa. Hello everyone and welcome back to another edition of the Narrative First Podcast. have to apologize for the delay. The show's being published on Thursday instead of its usual Tuesday. Uh, Whenever there's the Dramatica Users Group meeting, which is a meeting that meets... uh, it's a meeting that meets. A meeting that meets once a month, uh, the second Tuesday of every month. Uh, whenever that happens, uh, because of the drive time and stuff, I don't have as much time to complete the podcast in time. So uh, this week was Ex Machina, which happens to be the subject of the entire discussion. Pretty much this is Ex Machina week on Narrative First. Uh, and because of that, that's why you know it took me an extra day to work the article. Plus there is the added bonus of my initial analysis of Ex Machina was wrong. I mean, it wasn't completely wrong, but there were elements of it that were significantly wrong. And so correcting that and getting everything ready for the week, uh, it just took a little bit longer. So sorry that you had to wait all the way until Thursday to get your Dramatica fix, but uh, hopefully this should be a good a good one for you. Before we get started, I just want to go over a bit of follow-up from last week. The biggest news is that Search is installed on the website now. That's right. It's now 1998 on the Narrative First website, and you can actually search for things. Uh, there's a little search box at the top of every page, and uh, it should be super speedy. should be able to find what you're looking for, and now you don't have to hunt and search or go to Google to make it all work. There's an actual search box on the website. I finally had time to install it. So you're welcome. Uh, secondly, uh, I finally did the analysis of The Nice Guys, which is Shane Black's film with uh, Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. Uh, it's interesting because the film, it's a really fun film, and the two of them are really funny together. Uh, and the first hour is great, and then it kind of gets confused as to who the main character is. Uh, Ryan Gosling is definitely the influence character because there's stuff that he does off-screen that we don't know about, schemes and plans that he has. And Russell Crowe is more of the main character because of his his past, stuff that he has to get over that we actually get to experience personally. But then there's a moment towards the end of the film where all of a sudden we're in Ryan Gosling's head. You know, it's like stepping into somebody else's head and it feels kind of schizophrenic. It's funny. It's a funny moment. And it kind of, I mean, it works because it's completely out of place, but it works from an entertainment standpoint, not a story structure standpoint, which is fine. Story structure isn't the be-all, end-all of everything. Um, it doesn't have to be completely perfect all the time. But the only problem with it is then, as the film progresses, it ends a couple different times and doesn't quite wrap up the way it's not it doesn't wrap up nice and tidy probably the way it probably could have so uh yeah i mean you should definitely check it out it's really funny but just know that the story it's not going to be as perfect as say something like ex machina yeah so our, and then the other thing we did this week was the analysis of ex machina which i was completely 100 percent sure of uh you know i brought in a bunch of different story points that i've been discussing over the last two months and thought oh this one's easy you know when i saw it last year when it first came out um I actually didn't think that the story form was there because I had difficulties trying to get attached to the main character and knowing exactly what his personal baggage was. I almost felt like it was left out to a certain point. And during our analysis on Tuesday night with Chris Huntley, who's one of the 
Dramatica co-creators and, you know, always knows the right way to look at Dramatica. You know, he pointed out that the main character through line is, is dialed down. Like, we don't really know the source of, we don't know any true backstory about him except what he says and a little bit about what Nathan says about him. But, um... If anything, that's the only part that kind of dials it back. Like originally, I'd put five and five for the ratings. You know, five for structure and five for entertainment. I'm likely going to put four for structure in the fixed analysis, and still a five for entertainment because it's cause it's a great film. Um, so, it, and that's just because of the the main character through line is just kind of really dialed back, and it's kind of hard to understand where he's coming from. So it, we got, and we. You know, I, because I'm the one that writes the articles at Narrative First, I got the uh, the overall story problem of self-aware right, which was great. I mean, it just makes so much sense. The AI, you know, Ava, her self-aware problem, and then, of course, Nathan is such a narcissist. That that, that narcissistic sort of, I'm, I'm the greatest. Motivation in the story is what kind of sets off the conflict of everything and just motivates it throughout all of that. So putting that there, and then also, you know, as a psychology story, or in manipulation, uh, that's the source of the problem, is people trying to get one over on, on the other. You know, there's only four characters, but they're definitely trying to get one over on each other. And then um, the, it puts the relationship story in activity, which also works great because, you know, they're all about the stuff that they do together and the misunderstandings, you know, where one of them thinks something good is going on, the other one is like, yeah, sure, I like you. Uh, no, thank you. Um, so there's... Those two domains were great. It's just uh, the other thing we got mixed up, the the actual main character and influence character through lines, which I'll get to. So if you happen to listen to this right away and jump on the analysis uh, page, you know, within the next 24 hours, you'll read the wrong one. Uh, if not, if this is a day or two after, I will hopefully have it all fixed by then, and you won't even know that that ever happened unless you listen to this podcast. Um, there's some funny other things that are going on. Uh, just on the blog, there was, I caught, uh, Alex Epstein's book, Crafty Screenwriting, Writing Movies That Get Made. Uh, occasionally I'll just do a search for Dramatica screenwriting and see what comes up, see what people are saying. And the funniest thing in the world is he says, um, he says he's tried only one screenwriting plotting program, uh, and that would be Dramatica. And it boils down story structure to a branching tree of 32,000 possible story forms. All right, that's, that's pretty close. Um... Answering questions like, does the main character succeed or fail? And is this a good thing or a bad thing? You settle on one story form. That's great. But then he says, it is supposed to take about a week to learn how to use dramatic images. Hilarious, especially when you've been studying the theory for 20 years and you have an entire business built on it and uh, you pretty much know everything there is to know about it except when it comes to doing an analysis, you completely get the main character and influence character wrong. And whether or not the resolve of the main character is changed or said fast. And so it would be wonderful if it only took a week. And so it may be like maybe a day or two extra, but for the most part, I think it takes a little bit longer than that to learn it. Um, and he goes on to say, I have no idea if Dramatic is worth the money, but the company has some happy reviews on their website. <laughs> Which is hilarious because I put together the website and I remember putting those happy reviews on there. Um, if you have trouble figuring out why your stories come out wrong or just have trouble creating story structure, Dramatica or something similar might help. Unfortunately, there isn't anything similar to Dramatica, so um, that might be a little difficult for you. I'll leave a link in the show notes to that book so that you can check it out yourself. 
and then the other thing, which is, I guess, more serious, would be, uh, you know, I was on a huge trip with the scene construction last week, and, oh, Chris Huntley finally explained to me why the bottom is just like the top. Oh, I should write about that. Okay, um, I finally get why the bottom, you know, when you go below, like, pursuit, why there's thought, knowledge, ability, and desire there. And to you super mathematicians, it might make complete sense. But I was always confused as to, like, well, why, what is going on? And he explained it Tuesday night after class to me. I didn't record it or anything, but just afterwards. And it made perfect sense, and I finally get it. And it's actually, it's really obvious, I guess, how a recursive model works. Um, okay, I, I will be writing about that in the future. But, um, you know, we were talking about uh, scene construction in last week's podcast using Dramatica. And the idea came up the day after, uh, over the weekend, I was looking at the idea that you know, Dramatica uses act sequences and scenes to describe different levels of the model, but they don't really fall into what everybody else thinks act sequences and scenes are. You know, it's kind of like when they co-opted the term protagonist and it gets a lot of people confused, or it did, it might not now, because I guess more and more people understand Dramatica. When they use stuff like act sequences and scenes, in Dramatica, you know, it's that dramatic unit that we were talking about, that quad of dynamics that were in last week's podcast. And that can actually be spread apart across, you know, different scenes. Like it could, half of that dramatic circuit could start in one scene and half of it could start in another scene, what most people consider scenes. Same thing with sequences, same thing with acts. So it would be great, I think, if in future versions of Dramatica that they kind of rewrite those three levels, so rewrite the Dramatica versions of act sequences and scenes and use those and then be able to drag and drop those those measurements, those units into, you know, the different categories. So, you know, instead of act, they already have signposts and journeys. So that, that works great already. That's already separate from what most people consider acts. Instead of sequence, I was thinking range, you know, the original terminology for um, issues in different through lines uh, was range, like it was actually called the main character range and the overall, actually it was called the objective story range and the subjective story range, which sounds so cool to me now, but um, maybe co you know, borrowing those from the past using that term for range might be more appropriate than sequence because a range might go across two different sequences, especially if you are a fan of the sequence method or any kind of structural, you know, like Blake Snyder saying, where the different sequences are not, they're not structural sequences, they're more storytelling sequences and how things are laid out that way. And so having a range, a range of, of dramatic circuits that could go across those different sequences makes more sense. And then instead of scene, it probably would be best if it was just dramatic unit. So just it was like, boom, this is this chunk right here. This dramatic unit is, you know, this quad here. And then you can decide if you're just going to put it all in one scene or spread it out against two scenes or start late, end early. You know, when you're starting late in a dramatic unit in a scene, you're skipping that first part of the quad. And if you get out early, you're probably getting out before the last one in the quad. So that I think that would be a good idea just to get... We already have signposts and journeys, and we were, we could just add range and dramatic unit to that. I think that would be really incredibly awesome. It would be so amazing and, you know, it would help people understand exactly where Dramatica is coming from. So that does it for follow-up. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about Dramatica and maybe applying it to your own story, uh, you want to go visit narrativefirst.com slash mentor. We have the Dramatica mentorship program where we take you step-by-step -step through the entire model 
and look at your story and help you develop tools and techniques so that you can actually apply Dramatica to your own story. And it is designed for professional writers, so it's mainly for people who are really serious about story structure, especially since uh, NaNoWriMo is coming up, right? National November Writing Month. So maybe you want to work your story through this November using Dramatica and using the uh, Narrative First Dramatica Mentorship Program. So if you want any more information on that, we have a few openings. Go to narrativefirst.com mentor. And now on to Ex Machina. This week's article is called Ex Machina, the Narrative Code Hidden Within the Machine. And it really should be called Ex Machina Mea Culpa, which is what this podcast is called. And as I talked about in the follow-up section or the, you know, things that happened over the last week, um, really screwed up the Ex Machina review on Tuesday. Not completely screwed up, but, you know, I got 50% right, maybe 70% right. Uh, but the main character and influence character through lines were off. And... It was funny because the the ironic part is that Ex Machina is all about the hubris of a narcissistic prick who thinks they know everything about, you know, artificial intelligence and completely gets so caught up in their own story, their own magnificent, magnificence, magnificence, their own magnificence, hmm, gets caught up in their own grandeur that they uh, lose sight of what's actually going on. And the ironic thing is, uh, I guess I did the same thing. So, you know, I felt really good about the audience appreciations series that I, I we had um, in August where we went over the, the appreciations of essence, tendency, reach, and nature. And we were feeling really good because uh, I got really great feedback from it. People were always writing me emails saying, wow, this is such a great way to look at the story. I can totally, I can just look at, you know start bad or stop good. It's a combination of the main character growth and the story judgment, and I can instantly know where the through lines are. It's going to totally help. When I started watching Ex Machina this time to figure out, you know, what the actual story form was before the class on Tuesday, uh, I felt this, like, overwhelming sense of dread. Like, I just felt overwhelmed and, like, beat down, and it's really claustrophobic. And it was this subjective interpretation of the story points that really nailed me in the keister. Like, it was... My intuition and my feelings were telling me, like, no, this is, this has got, it has to be, I mean, I knew it ended in bad, right? I knew the story judgment was bad. Caleb is not exactly in a good place towards the end of the story. Um, so knowing that it felt overwhelming based on my article and just feeling great about all the stuff that I'd written, I thought, well, for sure it has to be start bad. My, and if I was being honest, my first logical thing was, oh, she's a robot, so she's going to be in situation and he's going to be in fixed attitude. But I had no idea what his fixed attitudes were. And when we get into it, uh, there's a reason for that. So I felt when I saw Start Bad that that made more sense. And I could justify and kind of do a little confirmation bias. Putting Caleb into situation and Ava into fixed attitude. And the reason for that is because audience appreciations define story points as seen from the audience's point of view. And it slips the story form, it slips the structure into subjective interpretations. So the great thing about Dramatica, the reason why it's so different from everything else, is it's an objective view of a story. You know, most writers, when they go to write, they really jump into their characters and they feel, you know, feel like they're the characters and everything's a subjective interpretation of what they see and what they feel. Um, but Dramatica's 
viewpoint is, well, what is it you want to say? What are you trying, what's the message you're trying to get across? What are you trying to argue? And it presents you a whole bunch of objective story points that you can mix and match and create the story. You know, you can get the 32,000 different story forms that only take you a week to learn. <laughs> so, um, you know, that, and then that's the great part about dramatic is it helps authors kind of zero in on what it is they want to say. It's really cold and it's complicated and takes, you know, years and years to understand. And even then you still make mistakes, but it, it keeps it, it keeps you from slipping into a more subjective interpretation, which is, you know, what do the character want? What do they need? Um, what are they after in this scene? And, you know, like the save the cat sort of stuff where it's more, you know, what does it feel like to be in this story? And that, that's the problem with audience appreciations. It's interesting because it kind of straddles the line between objective and subjective, but I have a feeling as great as it was those four articles, as great as they were, I have a feeling that they might be something that would be great in the end or some other kind of context, and maybe not so much analysis, because it's hard to separate your intuition from objective reality. You know, it's hard to separate your perception of a robot speaking to you, whether or not they're really into you or not, because you really don't know what's happening on the other side. You, you can't step outside of yourself. And the, you know, great part about Dramatica is that it helps you step outside of yourself to identify what's actually going on. So with that overwhelming, it put the main character through line and the overall story through line in a dependent relationship. In Dramatica, the current model, the K-based model, where all the, the significant knowledge elements are in the upper left-hand corner, that, the dynamic pairs are the most important thing, which is the, the items diagonally across from each other within a quad is the most important thing. Secondarily would be companion relationships, and those are items that are horizontally aligned. And then uh, next would be, I mean, I guess they're the same, is a dependent relationship, which is a vertical relationship. So uh, when you have an overwhelming feeling in that audience appreciation, that means that wherever the overall story is, the main character through line will be distributed into a domain that's vertically aligned with that overall story. And it was really clear to me from even last year that the overall story was in psychology. I mean, it's completely everybody manipulating each other to, to conceive or conceptualize, get across their plans. Uh, and that would, you know, with a dependent relationship, that would put the main character through line in situation. And I was able to justify that because, um, well, for a couple different reasons. The, the first one would be uh, I actually used another story point another audience appreciation story point to kind of justify that. And I asked myself, okay, does, is Caleb's, is he facilitating flow through the narrative or is he creating resistance? And, you know, I thought, well, I know it's an action story. You know, I knew how the film started with Caleb arriving. I know her reveal that don't trust, you know, when the lights go down and don't trust Nathan. And then he, uh, what's his name? Nathan gets drunk and then Caleb gets to see the video of all the stuff that happens in the past robots and then she escapes and like I knew that that's what was actually the story drivers and the tendency of a story you know combines the story driver and the main character's approach to give you a feeling of whether or not the main character's problems are facilitating flow through the narrative or they're building up resistance to it and I, I also got really great feedback from that article so I figured well I know he it's an overwhelming feeling and I know the story driver's actions so he has to be facilitating flow because in order for my other story points to work that I subjectively interpreted that means he would have to be a doer. Um, in Dramatica the main character approach you have uh, doers and beers and that just means 
the main character prefers to solve problems externally first or internally, like they prefer to, to change themselves. And a doer, their domains rest in either situation or activity. They're in the external domains. And beers, they rest in the internal domains like psychology and, and fixed attitude. So in order for, you know, my... In order to run a little confirmation bias on my original interpretation of overwhelming, I thought, well, yeah, of course he facilitates flow. You know, he opens up doors and he does all this stuff. But if you really step back and think about it, you could easily argue that Caleb builds up resistance within the dramatic circuit of ex machina. I mean, his constant evaluations and reevaluations of of Ava and refusing to give like an emotional response that Nathan is looking for, and he's always about you know the technical response about it, kind of gums up the works rather than greases it down and lets things flow through and he moves you know with such ease through Nathan's compound that you could also see that the odds seem surmountable like maybe it's not as overwhelming as you thought but uh, you know I was so blinded by my initial assessment of that overwhelming and just so confident that's where the through lines were that I just completely lost track of an objective take on it and if you listen to the Dramatica Users Group podcast of our Ex Machina analysis, which should be up soon, and the video, too, which will be on YouTube. You know, if you're listening to this weeks later, it's already up, and you can go check it out. You can see me argue my way through it, and you can, I'm, I'm pretty sure I haven't listened to it, but I think you can actually hear the wheels turning in my head as I finally come to the conclusion of, of what this podcast and the article this week are all about. double story points that I, well, audience appreciations that I had kind of used as my basis for the analysis, I also made a huge mistake that I tell all my dramatic mentorship students and all the professional writers I work with, I beat them over the head over and over again that dramatic story points are not storytelling, they're actually uh, indicators of the source of conflict within a story, right? So, you know, a main character concern of memories doesn't just mean the main character remembers something. It means they are experiencing conflict because of a memory or they you know, can't remember things. And an overall story concern of doing uh, doesn't just mean the characters do things. It means the things that they are doing, uh, they experience conflict in the actual doing of it. And you have to be able to describe where that conflict uh, appears. You can't just say, oh... You know, Bob and Sally, they, they run. No, you have to say, you know, Bob and Sally run differently in the way they run. You know, the one that's more uh, familiar with the track is, does better than the other one, and it makes the other one feel bad. You know, like, that's it's the actual doing that is creating the conflict in, in a story. Dramatica is a conflict detection machine. So every single story point, um, I've talked about this on other podcasts, Every single story point is an indicator of conflict within a story. Even if they say domain, concern, issue, and problem in a through line, they're all describing problems. They're just different uh, magnitudes of problem. And so that was uh, an issue when it came to identifying the main character through line and the influence character through line of the story. You know, I'd already put uh, Caleb in situation, which if you know anything about Dramatica, that means the influence character needs to be in the 
domain that's diagonally opposed to the main character through line, and that would put Ava in fixed attitude. And under memories, which is where I knew where the concern was, the issues were truth, falsehood, evidence, and suspicion, which makes perfect sense because she's making him suspicious, she's telling him lies all the time, but do you see, like, that's storytelling. Like, her making him suspicious and her telling him lies, that's just story points. That's not actually an indicator of where conflict is coming from. And point of fact, an influenced character actually pokes at a main character's issues. That's like their whole purpose in a story is to be like, oh, you, you're avoiding this little thing that you want to be in complete denial about? Well, zing, now you got to deal with it. And, you know, there's even uh, Sandy Stone, who's a Dramatica story expert and has been with Dramatica since the very beginning. He had a great thing that he pointed out at the analysis class, which was there's a scene where she basically hits every single type level concern in her in his through line not her through line in his through line and makes him deal with memories impulsive responses innermost desires and contemplations and when she asks him you know what is your favorite color and he tells her and and then she says i know you're lying right because he is lying because he doesn't have a favorite color he's not six years old what's your earliest memory and then that makes him like kind of uncomfortable because he has to remember back to this this singing voice that he, he heard like a woman's voice um and then you know she hits him with are you a good person well, that's contemplations that's great that's just nailing so far we have memories and so far we have impulsive responses and and you know who's the most beautiful girl you've ever seen which i don't actually remember from the film but it's in the shooting script so Maybe I'm completely missing it, but, you know, who's the most beautiful girl you've ever seen? That completely, like, oh, that makes me very uncomfortable. Why are you hitting upon these things? So in addition to the influence, because this is the interesting part, which I've never thought about before, is in addition to where the influence character through line, all the stuff that, that they put into a story just because of who they are, they can also address specifically the issues uh, and concerns in that main character through line. You know, so she she addresses his suspicions, Right, he already is kind of freaked out by Nathan, and just a little like, all right, why can't I go into this place? Why can't I go here? This guy's really kind of weird, and all the different evidence that he sees around, you know, when he's seeing the, the different recordings, it's just like I'm not sure what. And he thinks, you know, people are lying to him. So she's already she already knows exactly where his problems are, and you can actually maybe use a main character's through line, you know, all the story points that are in there. Try and see if you can apply, have your influence character actually, you know, speak up and point out those things to your main character and see what happens there. They don't just they're not just completely restricted to their own through line, you know, because they're there to actually poke at the main character's problem spots. So I don't know. I was really excited about that because, you know, twenty years and I'm still learning something new about Dramatica that I can apply to my own stories into the stories of, of those I help. And then when you get to Ava's influence character through line, this was the most interesting part of the Dramatica class on Tuesday night, is it's not so much that she's talking about the past and um, her situation, and she's not really predicting anything, and she doesn't really speak about her desires. It's more about the things that are attached to her, attached to this artificial intelligence and really attached to all the artificial intelligence, all the different monsters slash robots that Nathan has created over the past couple of years. You know, seeing that the past uh, intelligences, sentient beings, you know, basically destroying themselves, trying to escape, that concern of the past, that is what actually motivates Caleb to grow and to change from a beer into a doer. You know, seeing that, it's like, oh, wow, this is what happened in the past. There's no way this is going to happen again. And then when he asks Nathan, um, you know, what are you going to do with Ava once you're done with this test? And Nathan 
very coldly responds, well, you know, I'll probably dump all the memory and insert it into a new robot. That's actually Nathan predicting how things are going to turn out for Ava. So it's not even coming from Ava, the influence character through line there, that problematic influence that's going to challenge Caleb and challenge him to, like, grow as a person, as a character, is going to be about, you know, this this dire prediction, this doomed fate for um, somebody that he actually cares about. And, you know, her problem of desire, because she's ultimately the steadfast character in the story, again, our, our idea that she changed was a main character resolve uh, confirmation bias because uh, I had seen her... Uh, I, I knew self-aware was the problem, and I knew... So that would mean the solution is aware. So I figured when she stepped out and she, you know, was kind of looking at those masks, and she went up and touched the other robot. That's the first time she's had, like, contact. I just felt like that was an aware thing, and her going out and being in the world, that was another example of aware. But Chris pointed out, thematically, that's probably what's going on. But dramatic isn't speaking thematically, like, the, the story theme. It's talking about where is the source of conflict. And the conflict that she puts into the story is that she's very desirable. I mean, you can't not resist... If you're, especially if you're Caleb and you're lonely, you cannot resist her physicality. And all the robots, too, because of how Nathan has constructed them. They're very uh, alluring. They're very attractive. And that, that drive, that's, the, that's where the source of their conflict comes from or their challenge, uh, their, their influence on Caleb comes from, is that influence character problem of desire. And, of course, the symptom of inequity and response of equity makes complete sense. It's funny because when I was, and this should also be an indicator, when I was doing the analysis, um, I, I knew self-aware was the problem, but because of the way Dramatica is set up, if you put uh, Caleb in situation, it kind of flips the symptom in response. So the symptom was equity and the response was inequity. And I would, to myself, I was like, I wish these were flipped around. That would make so much more sense, which is probably also an indicator. If you, if something would make more sense the other way, maybe you need to switch domains around. But thankfully it happened when you put uh, Caleb in a fixed attitude domain and you put Ava in the situation, it flipped it so that the symptom was inequity, which are all the injustices that have been applied not only to Ava, but to all the robots before. And then, you know, the response is equity. They want justice, right? That's And they get justice on Nathan at the end in a very brilliant and unimaginable way. So it's not her past or her predictions or her desires that the story points reflect, but those are actually the points of challenge that force Caleb to deal with his own issues and, and force him to grow. In the article I wrote, the influence character through line functions properly when it challenges the main character to reconsider and to grow, which is exactly what Ava and the other robots do for Caleb. In conclusion, the biggest mistake we made when it came to our initial analysis of Ex Machina was we didn't take an objective point of view first. We tried the subjective view first, those audience appreciations, and tried to see how it felt, and then did a bunch of biased interpretations of what was to come in order to make that all work out. When you sit back and you take an objective view, you know, once we completed that analysis on Tuesday night and Chris went through all the different story points, it was like, oh, this is this is so clearly the actual story that was in there. It's kind of embarrassing that I would even... Luckily, I didn't actually put the entire story form up there. The one that we came up with was so much better. Oh, and it's also really interesting, too. There definitely is a time lock in the story, which is the week that Caleb is there. 
but it's set up and it's never really discussed. It's kind of, kind of like a, an American president situation where there's both a time lock and an option lock. So logistically, there definitely is a time lock, and I think in the story form we'll end up putting a time lock in there. But emotionally, there's the option lock, which is, you know, when she escapes. And it's almost, you know, instead of saying five days left, three days left, one day left, they do session one, session two, session three. You have no indication of how many sessions there are, but they're emphasizing more that option lock, which I think probably makes it more uh, acceptable or more entertaining from holistic uh, problem solvers. And I'll put a, sh a link in the show notes about why, you know, depending on, you know, the story limit of either option lock or time lock, how that kind of uh, dials in the audience that you would get. So, you know, if you have a time lock, which is always the easiest thing for people to write, you know, I have 48 hours to solve this, or I have a week to get across the country. It's almost better if you can, if you really want to put that in there, that's great. But if you can find a way to emotionally put in an option lock there too as well that that'll probably help attract more of those holistic uh, problem solvers the people that think more holistically uh, but dramatica demands authors assume an objective point of view when assessing the key story points within a narrative you take the subjective approach you try to do it the other way around and it's always going to bite you in the butt and i think it's great that this happened this week because then it gave me an opportunity to reset my own understanding of dramatica uh, get back on that objective trail and also offer people a chance to see, you know, exactly where Dramatica is coming from. You know, that it's coming from this author intent, author purpose. And it's really great because it, it helps you focus in on, on what it is you want to say and keeps you honest about the story that you're trying to tell. You know, you won't slip into any kind of subjective interpretation. I mean, once you actually start writing it, then, you know, forget structure. Once you've got it all written out and you've got everything figured out and you start writing it and maybe something gets off track, I would go with what gets off track because life is not a perfect story structure. There's chaos involved. But at least it sets the right intent, right purpose, gets you going in the right direction so that you can actually tell a story that means something and is purposeful and is something like Ex Machina, which is just, you know, thousands and thousands of articles have been written about it and, you know, people love It's just four, four players, right? Just four characters and one of them doesn't even speak and it's still so completely compelling and captivating because there is a narrative code underneath. There is a story form underneath that is communicating that message that screenwriter Garland is trying to get across. So I, I had some cool paragraphs here at the end of uh, the article that I wanted to read to you. Zeus punished Prometheus for giving fire to mankind. Screenwriter Garland did the same to Nathan at the end of Ex Machina. Dramatica's objective take on narrative did the same to us when we tried to offer our initial analysis of the film to you, the reader. Losing one's self-awareness during the creation and or analysis of a narrative guarantees an effective and efficient story machine. As gods of our own stories, removing ourselves from the equation and stepping back allows us the gift of seeing our work through different eyes. The Dramatica theory of stories signifies the next step in our evolution of telling stories. And as Nathan himself would say, fucking unreal. That does it for this week's podcast. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to go to narrativefirst.com slash contact, and you can leave us uh, questions there. Or if you want to leave a voicemail and get on the air, you can go to narrativefirst.com slash podcast. And there's a microphone button on the right. Click that and leave your message. Again, if you want to join the Dramatica Mentorship Program, go to narrativefirst.com slash mentor, and you can read all about that. And I hope you have a great week of writing, and we will see you next week. Um,